Good morning. This is why we live in Arizona, right? Beautiful outside. Make some noise. It's better than that. Come on. Uh, to anybody who's watching, welcome. And to all my friends in Kansas that are watching, have fun digging out of the snow. All right. Again, this is why we live here. This is beautiful. Um, yesterday, I had the privilege of taking uh, 12 people from our church up to the Grand Canyon and just experiencing a day in God's nature, in God's creation. And I'll share a little bit more about that later, but what an amazing experience. And again, it's just reminded me of how blessed we are, how fortunate we are, and how much we should be thanking our God for all that he's created for our enjoyment. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, again, we're glad you're here. We're starting a brand new series this month. So this entire month, we're going to be looking at uh, one of the kind of famous stories that Jesus told. It's called a parable. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along. It's going to be in the book of Matthew that I'm going to specifically be reading about. But this parable is also mentioned in Mark. It's also mentioned in Luke. But as we begin this story, there was this word that first appeared in the book of Matthew. This is the first time we see it. It's this word parable. And for some of us, maybe we've heard about that word. Maybe some of us, we're not exactly sure what it means. But this parable was the way in which Jesus spoke and talked to people. And here's, here's kind of what's helped me to understand what a parable is. A parable is an earthly story, but it has a heavenly meaning. An earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Would you say that with me? An earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And so Jesus spoke this way to people so that they could better understand what he was trying to teach them, so they could better understand truths, and not just better understand it, but also remember it and retain it. Think about how much more you retain in story form than you do in just kind of information. Shake your heads if you're with me, yeah? I know for me, I can remember stories all the way back from grandma and grandpa telling me, aunts and uncles, parents, those stories stick with us. And so Jesus used this exact same teaching technique. Now, what about today? Do we kind of talk in, in parables or do we teach in parables today? Maybe not so much, but there, there is this name that I'm going to kind of date myself uh, when I say this name. Maybe the people in the front row, my young adult friends, shout out to you. Maybe you're not going to know this name, but have you guys heard of Aesop and Aesop's Fables? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. How many of Aesop's fables? Yeah, remember that? Yeah. What was probably most famous fable? Say it, you got it. The tortoise and the hare. Is that, is that ringing a bell? Do you remember the story of the tortoise and the hare? Yes. For those of you in the front row, a hare is a rabbit. Okay, I know. We don't really talk about that much anymore, but a hare is a rabbit. So let's just see if you remember this story. Share with the people next to you what was the point or the big idea with the tortoise and the hare. You got about 17 seconds. Go for it. Sounds like a lot of you got it. I grew up in the 70s and the 80s. That was kind of my childhood, and I was kind of in that cartoon age when I watched a lot of cartoons, and I still, to this day, have vivid pictures in my mind of the cartoon of the tortoise and the hare, right? They're at the, they're at the starting line of the race, and the hare, the rabbit, the rabbit takes off running, and it's fast, and it goes, and the tortoise, and I remember he's telling like, just, I'm going to start the race now, and I'm going to run the race and I'm going to get to the finish line. And the tortoise just talked like that. And it was slow and it's steady. And 
took one step after another, and, and he'd only gone like maybe five steps in all that time, and the hare was like a mile down the road, and the hare realized, this is easy, I'm going to win this race, piece of cake, no problem, let's go off to the side, let's have some fun, let's play some games, let's do some things, and then what was the tortoise? Slow and steady, going to finish the race, and you know how it ends, in the end, slow and steady wins the race, and in the end, the tortoise beats the hare, and kind of a classic story. And you see, these stories are things that we can remember. It's, it's important to know that that's what Jesus is trying to do. He's trying to tell us a story so we can understand this truth, but so that we can remember that truth, so it can be locked into our hearts and minds. So let's go ahead and dive into this actual story, this parable. So again, if you want to follow along, book of Matthew, chapter 13, I'm going to read verses 3 and 4. Then Jesus told them many things in parables, saying... A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he's scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Okay. <laughs> what's, what's, the, what's the story here? What, what are you talking about? We got some birds, we got some seed, we got a path. Jesus, I'm not necessarily getting this. Are you trying to teach me something? Is there, uh, I, I'm not really a farmer. This isn't making sense to me. Some of us, when we engage the Bible, we engage it in that way. We're like, I don't really get what you're talking about. This isn't making sense. This isn't the world that I live in. I kind of grew up that way. You see, I grew up in a very suburban environment. Let's say there's three categories, rural, suburban, and urban, kind of like inner city. I'm curious where you guys kind of grew up. How many of you were like me? You grew up in a suburban environment. You grew up in the suburbs, the burbs, okay? How many of you grew up more urban, kind of inner city, okay, downtown? And then how many rural? Okay, yeah, pretty well split. You see, some of you who grew up in a rural context, you might have a better understanding of the story. It may make a little bit more sense to you. You see, for me, I, I never really knew much about farming except for one person. I had one person in my life. I knew one farmer. How many of you know a farmer? Story talks about a farmer. Some of you know a farmer. Good. I knew one farmer, and that was my grandpa. And I loved my grandpa. And I really enjoyed going out to the farm once every couple of years because it was so different than my world, so different than my environment. And it was just like a huge playground was open to me. And so because... I got to watch my grandpa. I got to know kind of a little bit more about what Jesus is talking about here. And so what I want you to think about is this story, how does it relate to you? Have you ever planted a seed and tried to grow something? How many of you ever tried to plant a seed and see something grow? Okay, you guys are way ahead of me. Not so much me. I'm not a green thumb. So a couple of years ago in the middle of COVID is the summer of 2020, um, my daughters and my wife had this idea as we're kind of locked into our house. Why don't we try to grow our own food? Why don't we kind of make a garden? And I'm like, it's Phoenix. It's the summer. I don't know much about gardening and growing things, but that doesn't seem like a good idea. They assured me, they researched it. It could be done. I am here to tell you that it can be done. I've got a, a guy in my, a friend of mine in my life group and his backyard is an amazing garden. It can be done. I've seen it. You want to go over to his place, you can see some amazing stuff. But in 2020, I was not sure that this was going to work. I didn't know much about it. I wanted to be involved in some way. They knew most about gardening. I didn't. They said, Dad, will you help? I said, yes. 
I said, I, I can help build something. What do you need? They said, we're going to build raised garden beds. I'd never heard of that. Some of you probably have. I Googled it on the internet, looked it up. I'm like, oh, yeah, I can build that. I go to Mexico. I help build houses. Piece of cake. So I take off to Home Depot by myself, go get all the supplies, come back. A week later, I've built raised garden beds. Did you catch that a week later? <laughs> you know, not in a day. It took me a little while to get this done. Again, a little more than I could tackle, but we got this all done. We got everything planned, and we got started, and we were off and running. We had these garden beds in our backyard. At this point, I'm feeling like I've done my part, okay? I wasn't in for the, the gardening side of it. I was just building it to get it started. I assured the girls, you need to kind of keep this going and, and make this work. Long story short, over the course of that summer, after about three months, pretty much everything died. <laughs> All right. Yeah. What was the deal? What did I learn from that experience? What I learned is, if I'm honest, for myself for sure, I had a real half-hearted approach to this whole thing. I wasn't all in by any means. I felt like I just did my part, now you guys do the rest. My daughters, my wife, we started out with good intentions. They were kind of watering it and taking care of it a lot in the beginning, but as, as a couple of weeks went by, we weren't giving that garden the attention that it needed. Does that make sense? We weren't out there every single day like you need to in the summer in Phoenix to make something actually grow. It taught me this lesson about being half-hearted. And so I want that to kind of stick in your minds a little bit as we continue to look at this story. What does that have to do, this half-hearted attention have to do with this story that we've just heard? Well, the good news in some of the parables, Jesus actually tells you exactly what he's trying to get you to learn, exactly what all these different parts mean. So let's go back into Matthew. Let's go into Matthew chapter 13, this time verses 18 to 19, and we're going to see what Jesus was trying to teach us, what he wanted us to know, what all these parts meant. Verse 18, listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. And so these are the main parts of what Jesus is trying to teach us. He's like, God is the sower. He's the farmer. And he's throwing out that seed. And the seed, we're going to say it represents the story of Jesus, the message of Jesus. That's what the seed represents. What about the birds? He made it clear in this story, the birds represent the evil one or Satan or the devil, our enemy in this whole story. And then finally, the path. What does the path represent? The path represents the condition of our heart. Over the course of this next month, we're going to unpack each one of these different soils, so to speak, that Jesus mentions. But today we're just going to focus on this path. And if the path represents the condition of our heart, I would ask you, to think about that. What actually is the condition of your heart? Are you giving the story of Jesus your whole heart? Or are you only giving it your half-hearted attention in the same way that I was only giving that garden my half-hearted attention? Well, let's talk a little bit about this whole idea of stories. And let me see if this makes sense to you. Think about it this way. How much do you actually know about the story of Jesus? How much do you actually think about the story of Jesus? How much do you actually talk about the story of Jesus? You see, here at Copper Hills, we make it completely clear to everyone who's in our church family that our desire, more than anything, is that you would increasingly be with Jesus so that you can increasingly think like Jesus 
so that you can increasingly be mistaken for Jesus. That's what we desire for each and every member of our family. But how many of us are actually living into that? And so this is something that I've been thinking about for myself even this week. And before I kind of answer that, let's talk a little bit about this whole idea of stories and characters. So this is going to kind of come out of nowhere, but just right away, give your answer to this one simple question. Be ready to turn and share your answer to the person next to you. It's really simple. Here's the question, and you answer it right away. First thing that comes to your mind, who is Peter Parker? Pretty simple, right? Pretty simple. What do you know about the story of Spider-Man? Let's just test this really quick. You have 35 seconds to tell the story of Spider-Man to someone you're sitting next to. Go for it. All right, thank you. If you don't know a whole lot about the story of Spider-Man, then you need to come to our Young Adults College group, okay? We meet every Tuesday. You're welcome to come. And I guarantee you, the people in the front row, they were like, 35 seconds, Paul? I need 35 minutes to tell the story of Spider-Man. You've got the original Spider-Man. You've got Spider-Man number two. Here's where Andrew Garfield comes in. What about the animated Spider-Man? And here's the storyline, and here's how it all works out. And it's like, I'm telling you, they know the story of Spider-Man. Am I right? Yeah, they, they, these guys know it. It's a part of their lives. They talk about it consistently, constantly. It's a big deal. Let me ask you another question. First thing that comes into your mind, here we go. Who is George Washington? Yeah, that's what I would probably say. He's first president, and then the, only, the next thing I know, I'll be honest, something about a cherry tree. I don't know if you chopped it down. How many of you are like that? You're like, yeah, I've heard something like that. What else? What else do you know about George Washington? You guys are better than me. I'm a little embarrassed. You know, like, George Washington lived a whole life before he became the president, right? I know, like, next to nothing about that life. Um, I don't even know if the whole cherry tree thing is real or if that's just, like, fake news or whatnot. But if I'm honest, I would, you know, if anybody's like, do you know George Washington? Like, yeah, I know George Washington, absolutely. You know, first president, uh, something about cherry tree. He had, like, crazy white hair, you know, wore this wig thing. Beyond that, I really don't know a whole lot. I wouldn't be able to tell a whole lot about his story. So what if I asked you about another guy? What if I said, who is Jesus Christ? There we go. Let's talk about it a little bit. He's the son of God, right? What else? He died on a cross for my sins. These are things that we know. These are things that we can talk about. What else? How willing are we to talk about that story? How well do we know that story? Do we share it? Do we talk about it as a part of our life? It got really quiet in here, huh? Yeah, let's go back to George Washington, right? You know, how many of us, if we're honest, it would be like, Jesus, absolutely, he's the son of God. He died on a cross. He had some really cool long hair too. You know, and then we kind of stop there. How much more do we really know? How much more have we really invested our lives in in this story? I was thinking about this yesterday as I was driving back from the Grand Canyon. 
I would be willing to bet that the average person in America knows more about the stories of Spider-Man, Star Wars, and Harry Potter than they do the story of Jesus Christ. That's sad, isn't it? It's not that those stories are bad. Those stories may be very good. They may be even helpful or entertaining in some way, but how is it that we know more about those stories than we know about this story? I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad or feel guilty or condemn you or judge you in any way, but it breaks my heart, having been in the church most all of my life, that there's so many people that just come to church and they say, Paul, you tell me about the story of Jesus. Brad, you tell me the story about of Jesus. And we never really start to engage in the story ourselves. And so I've been asking myself, and I'll ask each and every one of us, are we giving half-hearted attention to the story of Jesus? Is that this parable that Jesus is trying to tell us, and kind of what does that look like? I'll be honest with you, I've had a really, really busy week, but it's been a really good week. For whatever reason, this week, more than weeks and weeks before this, my weeks were filled with opportunities to talk to individual people about Jesus and share the story of Jesus. And I know what you're thinking. Yeah, sure, Paul, that, that's your job. That's what you get paid to do. That should happen for you all the time. But believe it or not, that doesn't happen every week where almost every single day I get this opportunity to share the story of Jesus with someone. In that sense, it's been a really exciting week for me to have the opportunity with multiple different people to talk about Jesus. And one person in, in particular I want to share with you. Um, earlier this week, I got a, a FaceTime call from my daughter who's living in Hawaii. And uh, man, it's, a, it's an amazing experience. She's decided to go try this six-month missions thing where she wants to share the story of Jesus with the world. And so she's in Hawaii right now getting trained for three months. She'll be there training and learning. And then after those three months are over, they're going to send her to some country around the world. And she just, she just found out what are the options of where she's going to go and what's going on. But what kind of just wrecked me a little bit this week was she called me crying. And I'm like, what's wrong? What, what, what's going on? Aren't things going well? And she just said, Dad, you know what? I realize there's so much of the story of Jesus that I don't necessarily understand all of it. And the, all these Christians that are here, they're talking about the story of Jesus, and they believe some things that are a little bit different than what I believe and what you believe and what we've, we've kind of believed growing up, and I don't know what to do. And she was starting to get this sense that she was a, a half-hearted Christian, that there was something wrong with her, that she was less than, and oh man, my heart was really breaking for her. And the good news is over the course of the last week, man, we have been texting back and forth. We've been calling each other back and forth. Her face is completely planted in this Bible this week. And although it was a very difficult like, scenario or situation that caused that, I'm so thankful that she's diving into the story of Jesus. And she's trying to figure out for herself, what do I believe about this? Not just what did my dad teach me, not just what did my church teach me, but what do I think about this? And I'll be honest, at first I was a little kind of frustrated and, and I was feeling guilty for myself. Did I like not raise my daughter in the right way? Did I not share enough of the stories? Did I not talk to her enough about this? And 
You know, Satan was kind of maybe even trying to snatch away some of the joy in my heart in this whole scenario as well. But again, I just let her know, and I'm so proud and I'm so thankful that we've been talking more about the story of Jesus and how it relates to our lives in these last five days than we have in the last five months. How about for some of the rest of you? How is the story of Jesus impacting not just your own personal life, but the life of people around you, the people that are important to you? And not just the story of Jesus, but how about our personal relationship with Jesus? If we're honest, are we giving kind of a half-hearted attention to our relationship with Jesus? Are we taking time to slow down and listen, to talk to him? I was thinking about it this way. I was thinking about the key relationships in my life, my relationship with my wife, with my children, with some key friends in my life. And what would it look like if I gave those people in my life just half-hearted attention? You all know the answer, right? It wouldn't, it wouldn't be a productive relationship. It wouldn't be filled with joy. It wouldn't be filled with meaning. It would be missing. It would be lacking. It would be less than. And if I'm honest with myself, there's times when I go through my life where I'm only giving half-hearted attention to these key people in my life. And then sometimes it's a wake-up call. Paul, it's not about you. Stop being so selfish. Think about these other key relationships. And that's what's been hitting me with even my own relationship with Jesus. Have I just been giving him half-hearted attention? Or have I been giving him wholehearted attention? And that's why I'm so thankful for this opportunity I had yesterday to take 12 people to the Grand Canyon. Like many of you, I'm sure, I run a busy life. I'm going, I'm doing, I'm accomplishing, I'm meeting with people, I'm getting things done. And Sometimes I can spend a whole day and then after it's over, realize, wait a minute, I was never, I never stopped to slow down. I never stopped to not just talk to Jesus, but actually listen to what he's trying to say to me. And so as we went to the Grand Canyon yesterday, through a lot of time of learning and experiencing, there was an opportunity for us just to go off by ourselves for 20 to 30 minutes and just take a deep breath. Hear nothing but silence. Listen to the wind. Listen to what Jesus was maybe trying to say to me, and then for me to reconnect with not just Jesus, but my heavenly Father, God, and thank him for that creation, and thank him for everything that he's been doing in my life, and thank him for the talks that I've been having with with my daughter, and how all that's been going, and it was so helpful for me to have that opportunity. And so as we wrap up this story of the parable of the sower in this very first section, this path, and these seeds, and the birds, the question that I have for myself and for each and every one of us is, are we living a wholehearted devotion to God and to the story of Jesus? Or maybe have we fallen into this trap of living just a half-hearted life? So what I'd like to ask you to do right now is if you would just stand up And I want to provide an opportunity for you to have some time like I did at the Grand Canyon yesterday. So if you would stand up right now, and in a moment, I'm going to pray. And when I'm done praying, the band will be leading us in a time of music. And again, like I said, this is a chance for you in just whatever way is meaningful you to reconnect, to be honest with your Heavenly Father, and engage with the story of Jesus. So after I pray, some of you may want to just be quiet. Some of you may want to sit back down. Some of you may want to sing these songs at the top of your lungs. 
to me, the, the most important thing is that you take advantage of this opportunity that we're providing for you today, this opportunity to engage wholeheartedly with the story of Jesus and with Jesus himself. So join me in prayer. Dear God, I believe that you are real. And I believe that you have created this world and everything in it as as well as myself. And I'm so thankful that you are a God that not just loves me, but wants to have fellowship and relationship with me. I thank you for providing me that opportunity yesterday just to slow down and, and be in nature and be at an amazing place that I have had nothing to do with. It's all you. You've created it all. And God, it just reminded me again of who you are and what you've done and what you're all about. And then today, as we've just been worshiping you all morning, I'm reminded of your son, Jesus, and his absolute love for me and his sacrifice for me that he willingly gave up his life so that I could live life to the fullest. And so God, I just say, please forgive me for the times when I've taken that story half-heartedly when my relationship with you has just been half-hearted and I've not been fully engaged. God, my desire is to be more fully engaged with you, to have a wholeheartedness in my devotion and my attention to you. And so right now, I pray that not just for myself, but for each and every one of us who are here and that even over the course of these next few moments that we have together, we would all get a sense of reconnecting with you, recommuning with you, and that we would really just enjoy this time. Thank you, God. Thank you for your son, Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.